Welcome to the Living Savior Sermon Webcast. We invite you to join us here for our worship service every Sunday at 10 a.m. Find out more at lsavior.org. Thank you for joining us today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The folks who, for the very first time in their lives, might seek out a Christian, look for somebody like you to talk to you, and ask you questions. What would they be looking for? The people who, for the very first time, would consider, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about, I, I, we, we got to get to church. My family and I, my wife and I, we got to get to church. What are they after? Some of you have been in that position somewhat recently. I wouldn't dare speak for you. But I could speak for those that I've talked to. Those who are looking for the first time, maybe they're facing some crisis in their lives and they haven't found some solution to the crisis and they're thinking, well, perhaps it might be in the, in the Christian faith, in a Christian church. Or maybe they've realized, I, I, I want, we, we want our, our children to learn some of those old-time Bible stories. Or we're looking to get value in our life, and what could be better than getting the values that grandma and grandpa taught us? Or how about this one? Those who come with questions to a Christian, wouldn't some of them have questions about God? What I found is that, is that when they do, it's don't make it too complicated. Just tell me. Give me something about God that I can grasp, something about God that can help me. Was that maybe what Nicodemus was after? Nicodemus, we find out, was a, a prominent man in ancient Jerusalem. He had a, he had a seat on the Sanhedrin, the, the ruling council. He was a, a teacher of Israel, a highly educated Jewish man, a Pharisee. Unlike the other Pharisees, though, he didn't hate Jesus. He wasn't jealous of Jesus' popularity. He wasn't trying to stop Jesus at every turn. No, he had, a, he had, he had a high respect for Jesus because he had either seen or at least heard about Jesus' miracles. He had seen or heard about how Jesus had fed thousands with, with just a little bit of food. How Jesus was, was going to people who were paralyzed and having them completely healthy and walking. He had even heard that Jesus had raised the dead. So he comes to Jesus, and he says, Lord, we, we know you're from God. That's obvious. Your miracles prove it. So help me, help me get my head around who God is, and help me get my head around what God is doing right now through you. So Jesus takes on his question, but not in the way Nicodemus was expecting 
Jesus says, unless someone has been born all over again, he can't see God's kingdom. Unless you've been born a second time, you can't see how God is operating in this world. What? How can, come on, how can somebody, what, you're supposed to go back into your mother's womb and get, get born all over again? Is that how this second birth takes place? Oh, Nicodemus. You're thinking of it from a logical point of view. You're thinking of it from a, this birth from a human perspective, how a human being needs to be born from a human mother. You know where that goes, Nicodemus. Anyone born of a human mother is going to be as defiant of God as that first mother Eve was and her husband Adam. Anyone born of a woman is going to defy and disobey and offend the one true God Human beings born of human beings are going to be like human beings have always been, and that is corrupt in the eyes of God. Or as Jesus put it in a very concise way, Nicodemus' flesh gives birth to flesh. Flesh gives birth to flesh. You and I will celebrate the birth of a newborn child. We'll do it with glad and happy hearts. And yet as we celebrate, we'll know and yet not want to think about how we who celebrate and that newborn someday are going to die. But flesh gives birth to flesh. We light candles and we eat cake and we laugh at birthday celebrations. And we know, but try not to think about how the last 365 days have been flawed with wrongdoings that are offensive to a God who is holy, holy, holy. But flesh gives birth to flesh. We sing songs at birthdays. But we wouldn't think to sing of the song that was written by God's own writer, Psalm 90, about how the best of our years are but trouble and sorrow. They quickly pass and we fly away, but flesh gives birth to flesh. I gotta figure Nicodemus had an inkling of what that meant, the corruption of the human race, the corruption of every human being. But he couldn't believe where Jesus went next. Truly, truly, I say to you, or we might put it this way, I say solemnly with God as my witness, Nicodemus, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Yes, flesh gives birth to flesh. But the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. So there's the rebirth. 
There's the rebirth. It's a spirit-given rebirth. It's not about going back into mom's womb and experiencing that trouble and trauma all over again. It's a new birth by baptism, by water in the word, or Jesus puts it here, by water in the spirit. A marvelous, amazing new birth. You ever tried to explain baptism to somebody? I, I think you could do it in kind of an orderly way. You could start with point A. There's the human being, born of a woman and thus born sinful and facing the wrath of God and destined to eternal death. But there's B. There's water found pretty much anywhere on God's green earth. And there's C the Holy Spirit, true God, powerful and active, and then there's D, rebirth. A child of a woman becoming a child of God. But is, is it logical? Well, no. Is it really just simple as A to B to C to D? Well, no, not really. Jesus, Jesus has Nicodemus imagining being outdoors. And he says, you know, the, the gust of breeze that you, that you feel, that gust of wind. So exactly where did that start and where does that end, that gust of wind? Similarly, trying to explain how the Holy Spirit works, even in baptism, how to, how to, trying to explain how the Holy Spirit works is trying to explain where the breeze began or where the breeze ends. Nicodemus didn't believe. Jesus knew that. I've spoken to you of things that happen on the earth, Nicodemus, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Heavenly things. I think if Jesus had stopped teaching there, then Nicodemus would have filled the gap like many of us would. The heavenly things, well, that's... That's angels with six wings, and they're flying high above God's throne in his temple. Heavenly things, that's the saints dressed in robes of white and singing the praises of God before his throne. Heavenly things, that's the, the majesty and the, and the marvel of the God who has no beginning and no end who created and sustains even the most distant galaxies. Heavenly things are the things of God that make us tremble that he's so awesome and so beyond us and so big. But when Jesus speaks of the heavenly things here, he speaks of the God who saves us from our rebellion and solves our death. Does a little Bible history. The Israelites during the Exodus, coming out of Egypt, kept rebelling against God over and over and over again. And so they kept dying. And in one instance, Numbers chapter 21, they rebelled to the point where the Lord sent poisonous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. 
Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Heavenly things, Jesus to Nicodemus. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, heavenly things. For God did not send his own Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I've tried to explain God, maybe you have too, in the mathematical way. The Bible teaches there is one God, one and only true God. The Bible teaches he is three persons. He is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. Three equals one, one equals three. Okay, I tried to explain God in the geometrical way. You know, the, the triangle, one geometric figure with three sides. Put a circle in the middle, God. Put the names of the persons at the corners, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And from Scripture I can say, the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. And I can add, the Father is not the Son, the Father is not the Holy Spirit, the Son is not the Father, the Son is not the Spirit, the Spirit is not the Son, the Spirit is not the Father. Okay, that has some value. But what's far more valuable, valuable is simply this these heavenly things that Jesus has spoken to Nicodemus and to you about and that you have memorized and you have recognized such a thing could only be conceived in the mind of the heavenly God. That God the Father, who is holy, 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 who is perfectly just, saw the corruption of the whole human race not just man's inhumanity to man that makes us cringe, but far worse, man's disrespect of God to the point where humanity, human beings, you and I included, often don't think of God for hours at a time. Holy, holy God should have rejected the whole human race. And yet God loved the world. He loved the selfish person. He loved the one who has told lies. He loved the one who has, who has stolen. He loved the one who should have done something merciful and, and held back. He loved the one that forgot about him. He loved the one that prays and then pulls it back and worries about it. He loved the whole world, God the Father. 
the Father sent his Son to be lifted up on the cross and to die for the whole world. That's heavenly. Both the Father and the Son sent the Spirit to turn wayward eyes to the cross, to Christ, to create faith in him, to sustain faith and strengthen faith in him, with this outcome, that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him, Whatever she has said, whatever he has done, whatever is on their earthly record, whatever has burdened their conscience, whoever believes in the Christ will not perish but have eternal life. That's heavenly. Nicodemus came to Jesus to talk to him at night. Secret meeting, private conversation. Probably didn't want his Pharisee friends to find out that he was talking to Jesus. Jesus says all this to him, and he doesn't believe. Was Nicodemus ever born again and by the Spirit brought to faith? The biblical evidence for that is actually very strong. Even stronger than that, the evidence that you have been born again of water and the Spirit, that you have been brought by the Spirit to believe, that you have been given the absolute rock-solid assurance that eternal life is yours. That's heavenly. A God, the Father, who loved the world, so simple. I can say it, so can you. Who sent his son, Jesus, so heavenly, so simple, so pure, to give up his life on the cross. And Father and Son sent the Holy Spirit that even I would believe this, even you would believe this, even those who don't yet believe might be brought to faith in this great truth, this great Son of God, and have eternal life. That's heavenly. Praise God. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our sermon webcast. I'm Pastor Caleb Curtis. To discuss today's sermon or to discover more about our ministry, visit our website at lsavior.org. Thank you again for joining us, and may God bless your day.